Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to go to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, and we're going to be looking at the famed Christmas story of the shepherds. I'm hoping if I can have a little fun with you. And when I say that, not more of entertainment, but maybe more educational as we look at the shepherds, because I think there's an incredible things that we can learn. But to do that, I actually shared this before. I think you might appreciate it again. It was towards the night before Christmas and up in the North Pole. Things were not going very well. <laughs> and poor Santa was wondering, should we even go? You see, the reindeer all had diarrhea. <laughs> and there was no way they were going to fly. And the elves, oh my goodness, they were so backed up with gifts. Santa was like, why, why, why? It was a nightmare. So he decided he would just retire to his own little quarters for a moment and sip some hot chocolate, only to discover that the cupboards were bare. The elves had drank all the hot chocolate. Frustrated, angry, he went over to the refrigerator and he poured himself a nice glass of milk. And he was going to settle down in his chair and just kind of relax, breathe a little, count to a million. <laughs> On the way there, he tripped, though. And not only did he spill his milk, his favorite mug was now shattered all over the ground. Let's just say Santa was ticked. Well, good news. One of God's precious little angels, Joy, had been watching this unfold and thought, this is an important moment. I need to come to Santa's aid and bring him a little Christmas cheer. So she grabbed her favorite Christmas tree and went down and knocked on his door. And Santa opened the door and said, what? She smiled and said, hi, Santa. I just wanted to bring you some good Christmas cheer. So I bought you my favorite Christmas tree. Where would you like me to stick it? <laughs> now you know the legend of how angels got to the top of the tree. So <laughs> it's terrible, you know. Some of you are like, I thought we were coming to church, but I said, I just like the thought of a little angel going, oh. <laughs> um, but I say that because I alluded to it in communion. Now you'll never look at a tree the same, will you? <laughs> you know, that right there, that's Santa's fault. But there's a lot of people that I just don't think get Christmas. They just miss it. They get lost in all the pageantry that goes on. Even Christy talked about the fact when talking to moms and we start thinking it somehow it's, it's, it's an event. It requires a lot of planning, preparation. We got all this stuff to make Christmas a success. And folks, everybody look up here. Jesus already made Christmas a success, all right? It wouldn't matter if your tree lit on fire and everything burnt to the ground. From heaven's standpoint, Merry Christmas. And here's why, because eventually it'll all burn up anyway. The only thing I care about when it's all said and done is that 
Jesus and God say to me, welcome home, my good and faithful servant. Now that'll be a Christmas to celebrate. See, we can get lost in it, can't we? All the hurry and the hustle, but it's all the pageantry of it. It's not an event. Christmas is an experience. And it only happens when you really know Jesus. Other than that, it's just a holiday that goes all back in the box. And we get ready for the ball to drop, start a new year. Same old, same old. Ah, bah humbuck that, man. I like Christmas. That's why I think Christmas ought to just stay up 365 days a year. I like Christmas because the Savior has come. And so God so loved the world that he gave him for my sin. Boy, I don't deserve that. That's a pretty good deal. Amen to that. But, but here's my question. We're going to look at Luke 2 here in, in a moment. But here's my question. What, what defines you? I want you to think about that for a moment. What really defines you? Because everybody here is defined by something or someone. Everybody here. Everything in your life, you live out of your identity. Did you know that? The question is, what's your identity? Maybe another way to ask it is, what do you want to be known for? Because I'm amazed how many of God's people I think would gain the whole world and lose their soul and be fine with that. I should wonder, I have to ask it. I mean, what do you, what do you spend your time thinking about? <laughs> Has the economy frustrated you? Hasn't me. What defines you? Because catch this, whatever defines you, it's highly possible you'll never walk away from it. That's why in a crisis, you do what you do and act the way you act. It's how you and why you talk about other people the way you do. All of that's out of your identity. I mean, Jesus said it, your mouth will speak what's in your heart. So all of those inappropriate waves Tell me a lot about what's going on in their inside. What defines you? God knows it. Satan knows it. Are you willing to admit it? This is important because it really sets up the most popular part of the Christmas story. Part of it was made fame by a show called A Charlie Brown Christmas. I'm pretty sure everybody's probably seen it. If you haven't, you're going to hell. And so, uh, <laughs> but, because I, I don't know how you could go through life and not see it. I know some of you are going, I haven't seen it, I'm going to hell. Anyway, and so you get home, you can watch it. But, but here's the deal is, most people have. It's part of the classics. You know, classics like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Frosty the Snowman. I mean, it's, it's seen every year. Uh, uh, it's a Wonderful Life. Those are all classics that people at one point in their life had seen. Now, the writer of A Charlie Brown Christmas is Charles Schultz, who was a very deep, deep, deeply committed Christian. Loved Jesus. In fact, when they went to air it, the network said we won't air it because they include this part of the Christmas story in it. And he said... It stays or it doesn't plays. I mean, it's just the way it is. He was resolute about it. They threw their hands up and said, okay. 
and it's been around. It's probably why so many people know the story of the shepherds, but I'm not sure they know the story of the shepherds. If you don't know Charlie's Brown Christmas, we'll come back to it in just a moment because there's some significant things that I want to bring out that happened to these shepherds. So I want you to look at the screen, if you will, and I just want to look at the first verse and then we'll look at the whole story in a minute because the first verse of their story, there are four key pieces that so often get missed. Here's what it says. Luke 2, verse 8. That night, there were shepherds. If you like to circle something I would, or highlight, you might want to do the word night and shepherds. So that night, there were shepherds staying in their fields nearby, noticed nearby, Remember, Joseph and Mary delivered Jesus in Bethlehem, which is right next to Jerusalem. It's very important you catch that. So they're nearby. They're by Jerusalem. They're by Bethlehem, guarding their flocks of sheep. That night, this particular night, there were shepherds staying in their fields nearby Bethlehem, Jerusalem, guarding their flock of sheep. Four key pieces. Night shepherds guarding sheep. Night shepherds guarding sheep. Say it with me. Night shepherds guarding sheep. Say it again. Night shepherds guarding sheep. See, it was that night. Like every other night in some extent, but when you peel back the layers and look at the original language, we tend to take things for granted. Our world has changed dramatically But if you were to pull these words apart, that night means a time when moral decay, moral stupidity was at its height. Sort of today, it's somewhat the same. We think in the dark we can actually hide something. Isn't that interesting? We think when the lights are down, less is exposed, therefore we can get away with it. Unfortunately, you need to understand that God has night vision. Nothing's hidden. That's what the Bible says. But there's something about the night, isn't it? Not only do we think we get hidden, that we think we can get away with something, fear is at its height because there's so much of the unknown we cannot see. It's on that particular night that we learn something about the shepherds that gets missed because it's night. Don't miss this. It's vulnerable time. And the Bible says that these shepherds were guarding the sheep. So at a time when everything's at its height of moral decay, when people are doing things they should not be doing, these shepherds are doing something. The word guard is actually the word intent, attent. You see, they're watching these sheep. It's not like they're playing Candy Crush, okay? It's not like minimum wage, you know, that shift that nobody else wants. So they're the low end of the totem pole, so they get stuck out there. We learn something about it, and I think we misunderstand who shepherds were, and I want to help you with that. I want to take you back to the beginning of time. By the way, the Bible says that it was darkness, that the world was in chaos, And God said, let there be light. It was light that changed the darkness. It was in the darkness that everything was chaotic. And Adam and Eve show up. But Adam and Eve forgot their identity. They forgot what defined them. 
and they sinned. And in their sin, they were removed from the garden and they had two children, Cain and Abel. Cain was a farmer. Abel was a shepherd. Don't miss this. God told both of them, you need to bring a sacrifice to me. And God looked at both of their sacrifices and he only accepted Abel's. I find this interesting. You see, what happened was the farmer just brought some of the fruit. He didn't bring the best of the fruit. He somehow thought that if I give God whatever it is, even if it's the leftovers, God's going to be okay. Please hear this. God does not accept leftovers. That's where some of you miss it, even on the word tithing. You look and think of all the worldly things you pay for and say, there's no way we can afford it. And if there is some money left, I'll give God my leftovers. And God doesn't accept your leftovers because he's more important than your mortgage payment. He's more important than a car payment. And God wasn't okay with it. But Abel, being a shepherd, understood something from his mom and dad. And let me help you with it. See, in the garden when they sinned, the first blood that was shed was by the hand of God. The Bible says that they made clothing out of their own fig leaves. And God didn't want to see them clothed that way. So the Bible says that God clothed them with the skin of an animal. Which means that God took a perfectly good animal that did not sin and killed it because of his love for Adam and Eve. Abel understood the power of that. He was a shepherd and he brought God his best. When God called Abraham, the father of all the Hebrew people, did you know he did it at night? Because he says to Abraham, look up in the sky and count the stars. They shine best at night. He said, I will make you as numerous of those. Did you know what Shep or what he was doing when God called him? He was a shepherd. When God called Moses, 40 years he'd been out in the desert. When God called him in the burning bush, he was shepherding his father's sheep. Who best to lead millions of people but a shepherd who understands the power of sacrifice? And then when God called his most prized king, his name was David, David was out in the fields being a shepherd. And I remind you, because you don't want to miss this, because some people think that the shepherds were low life, you know, the outcast, and it's just not true. Remember the credentials, what defined David when he went to Saul? It, it, let me help you with it. Saul's out at battle, but there's a paralysis going on because there's a big dude out there. His name's Goliath. David shows up as a boy and says, I'll take care of him. And Saul goes, you give me a break. You're just a boy. And he says, when I was watching my father's sheep, and a lion and a bear came to take one. I killed both the lion and the bear. I'll kill this Philistine too. If you're a minimum wage outcast, you're at the late night shift, you don't care about the sheep. And when a lion and bear comes in, you're not going to lay your life down. Shepherds understood the cost. Shepherds understood the sacrifice and these shepherds understood it just the same because the sheep on the hillsides of Bethlehem were the sacrificial lambs that the Hebrew people would use to 
take care of their sin. Every one of the sheep that these shepherds were watching that night would die for somebody's sin. And their job was to make sure that they were the purest, the most spotless lambs for the sacrifice. You see, it's night, vulnerable. But they took their job serious. They're attentive to the sheep because these sheep are not any old sheep. They matter. This is a big deal. See, see, my guess is they probably had heard and even recited David's 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want anything. My guess is they knew Isaiah's prophecy that he, Jesus, will tend to his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and keep them close to his heart. See, for me, it makes perfect sense that God would first come to the shepherds to announce that the sacrificial lamb has arrived, especially these shepherds. Now hold on to that because now I want to read you the rest of the story. So if you have your Bibles, you can follow along on the screen. Luke 2, beginning again in verse 8, that night there were shepherds, not any old shepherd, staying in the fields nearby because they're guarding, they're attentive to the flock of this sacrificial herd. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were so afraid. And the angel said unto them, do not be afraid. <laughs> do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, Bethlehem, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts. By the way, this is an angel army. And scholars will tell you it was tens of thousands of angels. Can you imagine that? Tens of thousands. You talk about a choir. Appeared with the angel, praising God. Notice what they do and in the order they do it. Praising God, saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now here it is. As soon as the angels were gone, the shepherds said to one another, let us, let us, have I lost you? What color am I wearing? Okay, just making sure. Okay. Let us, let us what? Go. Let us go and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Watch this. So they hurried off. Some translations say they made haste. Others say they went quickly. Very important. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. It's here that I want to focus. The Greek word, okay, for they hurried, they made haste, they went quickly, doesn't imply a hesitation or they pondered or considered. God said it, that was enough. In fact, the word literally means they moved at a high speed with eagerness. The moment the angels went up in heaven, they looked at each other and went, race ya! Now, why do I say that? Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Evidently, their identity wasn't found in those sheep. I want to say it again. Evidently, their identity wasn't found in those sheep. 
These are Hebrew boys that were raised as Hebrew men. They knew the scriptures. They didn't find their identity on the sheep that they had been waiting on. They had been waiting on the sheep because the prophecy says for the one they've been waiting for. Did you catch that? If you've lost you, let me just say it this way. You'll never walk away from what defines you or it's very difficult. It's going to be a little hard for God to call you to do something when your identity is in your career. When your identity is in your marriage or your family or your kids or money or success or failure. You're stuck on the hillside. See, what defines you really? That if it was taken away, you wouldn't flinch. See, that was the problem with the rich young ruler when God said, well, there's one more thing you need to do. Because he said, I've obeyed the Bible. He said, no, no, there's one more thing. Sell everything you have and come follow me. And he walks away from Jesus. Think about this. He walks away from Jesus as if what he would lose would be, would be greater than Jesus. Think about that. Sell everything you have. Come follow me. Follow Jesus. The Bible says he turned and walked away because he had a lot of money. Think about this. Whatever he had is a whole lot less than Jesus. But that's defining him. He couldn't go to Jesus because his money defined him. Imagine, catch this. Anybody know what happened to him? He died. As you will too. Everything you got, you will lose. Gain the whole world, lose your soul. Not these shepherds. We understood what we're doing. These sheep are temporary. Because God said one day, we would no longer have to take a sheep to the temple. He's going to send the lamb. And our job will be done. See, I think what happened is when the angels left, they went, we don't have to watch the sheep anymore. Let's go. But how many of you, whatever God asks, you can't do because you're defined by other things than Christ. Did you catch that? Folks, this is important. If we're going to walk away, then we better get Christmas. In fact, I want you to write this down. We all behave according to what we truly believe. Did you know that? We all behave according to what we truly believe. These shepherds understood their role and they knew it was temporal because one day they would all be replaced, these sheep, by the Lamb of God. And now he's here. They've been waiting. Now he's here. And they could go. Back to Charlie Brown Christmas. If you've seen it, you may know what I'm about to talk about. I'd ask you not to shout it out or turn to the person next to you. But I think for some of you, I'm going to tell you something you'd never seen before. The whole movie is about Charlie Brown trying to figure out what Christmas is all about. His heart's not content. It's not happy. It's not at peace because everybody around him is celebrating Christmas and it's driving him nuts. 
Because he says it's got to be more than that. It's got to be more than the presence and the lights and all the pageantry in the show. You might remember that Lucy says it's all about money. It's all about money. Snoopy's all about the lights and the show and he's decorating his doghouse. So Charlie Brown is given this role to direct the Christmas play. He tries to get everybody to work together, but they're all lost in the pageantry of Christmas and just having fun. Charlie Brown finally drops his head back and says, does anyone know what Christmas is all about? And Linus, Linus, who always has his blanket, thumb in the mouth, he says, I know what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. He walks out center stage, the lights on him, and he reads the story that you and I just read. And he reads it in the words I just gave you, the King James Version. But something happens that so many people miss that Charles Schultz was brilliant about. Linus is telling this story. Got his blanket. The lights are down, spotlight. And he says, and the shepherds were out in their fields that night, guarding their flocks. When suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and they were so afraid. And the angel said, fear not. And when he says that, he drops his blanket. It's a significant moment that Charles Schultz wanted everybody to get. My security isn't in the blanket. And he tells the rest of the story. When he's over, he picks the blanket up. He goes to Charlie Brown and says, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown walks out and finds a little Christmas tree. You might remember, takes it with him as a little dumpy thing. And everything changes. They're singing, oh, Christmas tree. And the Christmas tree looks like garbage. And then Linus puts his blanket around the base of that tree to give that tree the security that he doesn't need. And they start singing, hark, the herald angels sing. And the tree is transformed. You see, the birth of Jesus is to separate us from our fears. The birth of Jesus is to free us from the habits we are unable or unwilling to break. The birth of Jesus allows us to simply drop all of the false securities that the world offers so we can now trust and cling to the only one, Jesus Christ. What do you need to drop this Christmas? Are you going to miss it again and get stuck in the hillsides of life? You see, we got to learn to let go of all of our stuff so we can finally pick up what really matters. So how do we do this? I'm going to give these really quickly, but we actually don't learn from the shepherds. We actually learn what the shepherds learned from the angels. I told you, keep this in order of what they say. And you need to know it's the vision of this church. The first thing the angels say is you got to meet Jesus. Remember what they sang? Glory to God in the highest. The first thing the angels do is praise God, not man. Did you catch that? The first thing the angels do. Why would they do that? Because they knew who he was. The mouth speaks within the heart, people. What are you known for? Do people know you to talk a lot about Jesus? 
What comes out of your mouth come Christmas? What do you talk about? What do you want your kids to know, your friends to know? See, I love this. The first thing the angels do is praise God, not man. Why not? The omnipotent, eternal God has emptied himself, as Paul said in Philippians 2, so you and I could be full of him. He emptied himself. Look what, look what Paul writes in Galatians. God has sent forth his son, born of a virgin, born of a woman, born under the law, watch, to redeem those who are under the law so their identity would change. So that we might receive adoption as children. Folks, I can't speak for you, but if the angels get excited that day about the birth of Jesus and our salvation, don't you think we should? I mean, they're pretty, they're pretty pumped up. See, this is why we say it all the time. You got to meet Jesus because meeting Jesus changes everything and nothing will ever change until you meet Jesus. That's just a fact of life. Whatever is keeping you on the hillsides, folks, cannot satisfy. Why keep holding on to stuff that's temporal? Everything you and I have is going to be gone one day. It's going to be taken away. Hang on all you want. God's going to rip it out of your hands. You don't get to keep it. But he'd love to put in your heart Jesus. That's what Christmas is all about. Let it go. Folks, this is one of the major themes of the Bible. Did you not know this? Get over yourself, okay? All right? And get under God. The first thing the angels do is say glory to God. They praise God, not man. Why? Because they understood who Jesus is. Do you? You got to meet him. Here's the second thing. Because once you meet him, you get to be him. You meet Jesus, you get to be Jesus. Because the very next thing they say is watch. If you meet him, peace on earth. Peace on earth. But watch this. Among those whom he is pleased among those his favor rest. I love this part. Look, at, look again, the shepherd's story. Luke 2, verses 17 and 18. When they had seen him, saw Jesus, they spread the word concerning what had been told them, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said. Folks, peace is not found in what you do. Peace will never be found in what you're holding on to. If the market flips and skyrockets, you're not going to have peace. You know, and I like what a friend says, you know, that whole thing where the man with the most toys dies. I like what Rick Warren says. The man with the most toys has a lot of insurance, <laughs> you know, and, which means it costs him a lot more money. I mean, it's just a matter of fact, right? There's no peace with that. I don't know if you've seen the movie Unbroken. And, and as I share this, I, I, I'm going to invite John to come back out. The movie Unbroken is the true story of Louis Zapparini. He was captured by the Japanese and held in a POW camp in Japan where he was brutally, brutally, brutally mistreated. If you've not seen the movie, you should see it. Based upon a true story. One day, toward the end of the movie, you can see this played out. All of the POW prisoners are told they need to go bathe in the ocean. As they're walking into the water, they realize what's going on. They're going to be executed. Along the walls where they were to bathe in the ocean were men standing with guns. But suddenly everything changed. Allied planes began to fly overhead. And they began to cheer because the war was over. Peace had come. 
Everything changed. Their status, their freedom, their relationships, everything, their identity. They're going home. That's what happened on the hillside that day. God's allied planes <laughs> began to fly overhead and everything changed. If you get Jesus, nothing, nothing is the same. But it's only for those on whom his favor rests. Do you know him like these shepherds knew him? They've been waiting. He was here. They were gone. We're going to go meet him. And when they met him, it changed everything. The Bible says they began to tell everybody and everybody was just astonished. They were amazed. Let this Christmas be a time that you leave everything behind and go meet Jesus. I promise you, you'll gain more than anything you think you might lose. John Piper says it this way, there is hardly a better way to sum up what God was about when he created the world or when he came to reclaim the world in Jesus Christ. Look at this, his glory, our peace, his greatness, our joy, his beauty, our pleasure. The point of creation and redemption is that God is glorious and means to be known and praised for his glory by a peace-filled new humanity. I'll tell you this, if you keep letting your credentials define you, you will one day pay an ultimate price for that. But if you let Jesus define you, he already paid that price. Amen. Amen. That good stuff. I, I want to show you a quick little video. It's about three minutes. And then we're going to come back and I'm going to ask you, is that your king? Watch this. The Bible says my king, he's a king of the Jews. He's a king of Israel. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's a centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick 
He cleansed the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent and he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous and his yoke is easy and his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your head. You can't outlive him and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah! That's my king. That's my king. Yeah. Father, right now, I don't know where people are at. I'm okay with that. The question is, do they know where they're at? Because you know where they're at. God, so many of us get stuck on the hillsides, especially in this country. There's so many things that we think that if we hold on to that somehow they're going to deliver on that promise and they can't, they won't, you won't allow it. There's only one who could, and there's only one that should, Jesus. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace in whom your favor rests. And so I ask everyone here with their eyes closed, do you know him? Is that your king? It's what Christmas is all about, that we would leave those hillsides that offer nothing but false securities, false promises, and make our way to Bethlehem. The Savior has been born. The Savior has been born. Do you know him? Really? That's what Christmas is all about. Emptying yourself so you can be full of him. If you don't know him, boy, that Bible makes it clear. You can right now. And I'd be wrong if I didn't give you an opportunity. Just say in your heart, God, I'm wrong. I need to let go. There's things that I've held on to. And I let them go right now. I don't want to get stuck in a hillside. It's time to get to you, to worship you as the angels. Glory to God in the highest. 
and peace in me. I give you everything. I lay it down. It's yours. It's time to go. Whatever you ask, whatever you want, here am I. God, I thank you. Father, I don't believe there's a greater prayer anyone could ever pray. As we learn from these shepherds and from these angels of what it means to meet you and be you, the world needs Jesus. And what a glory that we get to be light to that world and be you. God, thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone says, amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.